when it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello there, and welcome to the Times Business Podcast. That's where we look ahead to the events that will be likely to move markets in the coming days. I'm Robert Miller. This week, we'll be talking about whether the US Federal Reserve will raise interest rates, the state of stock markets, and wondering what this has to do with the future. I'm joined by Philip Aldrich, economics editor of The Times and columnist, and Alex Ralph, our stock market reporter. Thanks both for being here. Philip, if I can start with you, it's always very difficult, obviously, to do divine what central bankers are thinking and certainly what they're saying. I mean, in the case of the US Federal Reserve, which is obviously going to meet in the coming days, we've got a recent clip from Lael Brainard. She's a member of the Board of Governors. She was speaking in Chicago and straight after she spoke, the Dow Jones jumped more than 200 points. Here's what she had to say. In the months ahead, my colleagues and I will continue to assess what policy path will best promote the sustained attainment of our goals. I'd like to start by describing the contours of today's economy that will be particularly important in shaping the appropriate path before reviewing recent developments. Because several of these represent noteworthy departures, I would argue that policy today must rely less on the pre-crisis old normal as a guidepost and instead be sensitive to the contours that shape today's new normal. Philip, 200 points, big jump. The markets in the US seem to be thinking, well, leave it for a while longer, don't they? That's what they seem to be welcoming, certainly, at the state. No action. Yeah, it's a, it's a perennial market reaction to the sort of dovish, we won't be raising rates for some time yet comments. I mean, she didn't specifically say that, but there's a lot of interpretation between the words coming out of her mouth and when they go into the market traders ears but what also has to be borne in mind here was that on friday there was a there was a speech by another uh, so the so sort of three or four days before leo brainard spoke there was a speech by another governor who said uh, said something which made the markets think that rates would could possibly move as early as uh, this month so they interest rates could rise in the u.s this this month september that was a contributing factor to a fall in uh, in the wall on wall street and so when leo brainard came out with what people thought was a dovish sign the markets jumped the other way they, they're basically jittery nervy markets that sort of nowadays just hang on every word that central governors central bankers say because central bankers are, are effectively are, are 
are really leading the way that you know um, markets markets move in. It's quantitative easing, it's uh, low interest rates. Um, these these kind of uh, stimulatory policies do drive up asset prices um, because it, there's more money to to spend and there's a, there's a continuing search for yield as people look for better returns than zero interest rates. Of course, Americans, and I know over here too to some extent, but Americans always put this great store by the expression about being um, ahead of the curve and behind the curve. So looking ahead of the curve and what we know about America already, would it not make it quite likely then that September is a month when they might be, if they wanted to be ahead of of that curve or ahead of the game even? Yeah, they also like to be data dependent. So that's that's behind the curve. You have to see the figures first. But... uh, September doesn't look like it's going to be the month. Uh, there, there was a lot of speculation. As September got closer, more and more speculation that it, that it wasn't going to be the month became the, the sort of consensus thinking. People now think it's more likely to be December, which would be the anniversary of the first rate rise in nine years, I think it was, when uh, the US raised rates last uh, last December. So that it, it now looks like it's going to be December, according to most traders and economic forecasters. Yeah, that's. I mean, most traders that I speak to on a day-to-day basis don't really expect it to to happen next week. Uh, December certainly seems to be cons- the consensus. But I think part of the problem is a lot of people have come back from from the beach and from the holiday, and um, there hasn't been a lot of activity during the summer. In fact, it's been remarkably uh, quiet, and the markets have been very stable. And there's been a, 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 a bit of profit taking ahead of ahead of a potential rate rise at the end of the year. One of the things that they always, I mean, Phil, you mentioned they're data dependent, but I don't suppose there's any data, is there, about who would who might win the presidential election and whether that has any part of their discussion. You know, would you do it just before a presidential election that clearly seems to be so close? And would they consider policies or really do central bankers just put that to one side? Can they park it? Well, Trump is a genuine economic unknown you know and that degree of uncertainty could cause a could cause a real shock so mm. policy could be flipped on its head if uh, there was uh, you know if if, if uh, trump run, won the presidency just as people in the markets were not really expecting brexit and you saw you saw what happened in the markets after that. Um, and there's, a, there's a lot of there's a lot of papers being written at the moment about you know the the, the potential upset economic upset that a Trump a, a Trump victory could cause at least in at least in the short term. Part of the volatility we've seen um, over the last few sessions has, has been partly due to you know people citing it towards the the the, the, the sort of collapse that Hillary Clinton uh, literally seemed to have at um, at that event. And yes, um, is it pneumonia? Is it exactly. it's got to be it's got to be an issue there, hasn't it? I suppose. And perversely, and perversely, obviously, that means that you would monetary policy is likely to be more stimulative for longer, and so and so the markets actually can be can re- react positively to bad news. I mean, we've had we've had this kind of uh, sort of Alice down the rabbit hole world for for way too long. It, it feels that where bad news somehow causes people to see the positive through the distortionary effects of l- cheap money for even longer. Therefore, markets are going to rise. I mean, so yeah, Hillary Clinton's uh, stumble um, hasn't, you know, hasn't actually been bad for markets, even if it, even if it was going to be a Trump uh, presidency as a result. Well, you you mentioned about the, the the Brexit shock, if you like, and the way the markets reacted. And um, Bank of England Governor Mark Carney was straight in front of the microphones the very next day. If there was an upset in the U.S. presidential elections in terms of 
the shockability factor. And here I'm supposing that perhaps if Donald Trump won a clear mandate and became the president, in that, those moments afterwards, do you think that would necessarily prompt any reaction or, or action from the Bank of England to stabilise things? Or would it be just purely an American storm? Well, that, that's hardly, that's impossible, really, is it? If it hits America, well, it hits the rest of us. Yeah, the old adage if America sneezes, we all catch a cold. But um, yeah, the, there's there's quite a few people now talking about the risk in the UK of uh, you know from the Trump uh, victory because again, you know, markets are effectively led. The big money, the money comes out of America. The big money that moves the markets really comes out of America. So you you know you will have potentially some kind of financial disruption. Um, it will stay policymakers' hands if at the moment the uh, you know, the thinking is that the Bank of England will cut rates possibly in November uh, to 0.1%. Some people are saying that they may actually just, they may hold off just to see what happens in the presidential race and then do something in February, which would be uh, the uh, would be the next inflation report where they update their, their outlook. Um, and and the, part of the reason being that if there is a Trump presidency, which will which would be coming around the, the time of the uh, inflation report in November, then the, uh, the, they'll want to be able to ascertain what the impacts of that are to actually build policy responses to anything that may, uh, may transpire as a result. Also, the possibility, the fact that rates are so low now that if they cut, where else do they go? You know, what else have they got left in the locker to try and kickstart or, if you like, ameliorate some of, some of the crises that we might be facing? Where do you go from there if you've already cut rates to the bone? Yeah, well, I think there's a growing, a growing opinion that uh, uh, even you can go lower, you can cut rates into negative territory, you can launch a whole load more QE, you can do this, what the bank is doing, which is credit easing, which is a sort of a cheap funding scheme for, for banks to make sure that you know, credit is extended into the real economy at extremely cheap rates. You can do more and more of this, so there's there's possibilities there to, to take action. The question is now shifting away from have they run out of ammunition to is the ammunition backfiring? You know, is it actually delivering any good or are the unintended consequences stacking up and actually uh, storing up serious problems for the future more so than, than the sort of very small stimulatory impact that these uh, that these moves into sort of negative territory are having so you know, there's there's quite a debate at the moment about whether central banks should just just go on strike we see in the markets don't we alex that there does seem to be some confusion as phil said well, where do you go from now looking at in terms of the people you're talking to daily the dealers the brokers and the fund managers how are they feeling looking ahead to this auction? Because a lot of them are saying, haven't we? We've had the Merrill Lynch survey, the Bank of America Merrill Lynch survey, saying that actually cash better than equities and bonds. And that's saying something when you get no return on them. Yeah, indeed. Bank of America Merrill Lynch uh, put out their monthly survey, which is closely followed. And, and um, they effectively said that um, it was uh, equities and bonds were the, the most overvalued that they've ever seen. So people are wondering whether they should just stick it under the, under the matches instead at the moment. But yeah, there's, there's certainly a sense that this time last year we had um, a bit of a stock market collapse globally, um, and that was triggered by concerns about economic growth in China. And since then, um, obviously we had Brexit, but the markets are well, certainly in America at record highs. Uh, and in the UK, the FTSE has, has bounced back pretty strongly. It's, it's about 300 points off its record highs. So there is a sense that maybe we are due a, another, another correction. And... Um, there's some people that are sort of preparing for that. Which, in those cases, which are the, the, the sectors, the broad sectors that people still seem to be favouring in the terms that there is nowhere really that's a safe haven, is there? So where's a better haven to ride out a storm, do you think, at the moment? Yeah, well, I mean, it's that's why 
you know, stocks are going so well because people are just searching for that yield, and and often it's it's in those defensive stocks, so the ones that pay you know regular uh, incomes and which which you know aren't sort of too cyclical. And have got cash presumably to meet those dividend commitments because a lot of people's margins are under pressure, like retailers, aren't they? Yeah, it's it's those that even if the economy does go. It's it's those that which will people will continue to you know to use like tobacco companies you know they always companies. said in times yes tobacco alcohol companies all the sin the so called sin, sin ones because people are just getting more depressed newspaper companies used to be quite good as well because it's small sums of money exchange which is you know, fits in with alcohol it's a regular turnover a regular turnover but um, I think the internet kind of did it for newspaper companies a little bit. Yes, but the old idea, you disappeared down the pint with your paper and, and had a leisurely read. Now we take it all online or on our tablets, I suppose, and that, that is the future, though, isn't it? Yep, it is. And, we're, and obviously we're responding to uh, the new world. They're very interesting new products. But yeah, the old, the, old, uh, the old model of just sort of newspaper industries were very much a defensive company. It's, uh, it's not quite ring as true as it used to well that's a very good point because we are going to take a short break now and when we return we'll be looking skywards to the future how appropriate the times business podcast is sponsored by vodafone's ready business britain 2016 has been branded the year of the sme this is your year time for your business to stand out are you ready vodafone's ready business britain in association with the times and sunday times has all the advice insight and analysis your business needs to make this your year Get ready. Visit readybusinessbritain.co.uk. Welcome back. At the start of the podcast, we played you a clip. Here's a bit more. See if you can guess what it is. That, believe it or not, was the sound of drone racing. Sky is to spend a million dollars to bring live drone racing to the UK. I didn't know until I saw the announcement that it existed, uh, Philip. But in terms of leaving aside the drone racing, it is very much new technology, isn't it? It's something that economists are trying to get a handle on. People talk about Amazon delivering orders by drone. So there's there's a much wider debate to be had here, isn't there? And, and the way they may take a part in, in the new digital digital age. Well, if everyone starts watching drone racing, then you know that's got to be the moment when you say drones have come of age, right? That's it's, and they are. They, I haven't actually seen any Amazon drone deliveries. They talk a lot about it, but the drone technology is pretty amazing. The the stuff that uh, that they can do, um, and obviously it speaks more broadly to sort of driverless cars speaks more broadly to sort of automation of 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 the economy and in many ways robotics um all coming through the you know the damage to um existing uh, existing jobs there was a a story the other day about um some robot that actually did did an operation it was more i saw that more more it was it was the recovery period was much quicker than with humans because it was obviously far more precise and you just realized that that you know the the whole the whole economy and working work as we know it can could be completely trans can be completely transformed and it all happens so quickly that uh, this this kind of stuff there was a, there was a great book uh, called the second machine age by eric bjornsson and andrew mcafee which which uh, was it was about two is it's about three years ago i think which um which really went into all of the sort of the, the this this they're actually relatively utopian about you know the future for everyone but there is a there is another story which is a dystopian future of people 
basically being supplanted by robots, you know, Terminator type of analogies or whatever. And it all starts with drone racing, maybe. Yeah, well, you sort of feel like Sky signing this up is, a, is maybe a watershed moment for it. I mean, perhaps in 20 years' time, we'll be talking about 30 million pound sort of drone stars and there'll be household names. You never know. I mean, the, the Premier League took off after Sky really got involved. But, so maybe that's what, maybe that's, <laughs> yeah. that's what we're going to see. There's crazy stuff that's happening on the internet. Like, there's, there's guys who make, make a living out of playing FIFA playing you know video game football and people watch them playing mm, even f- computer games I mean and these people make an absolute fortune so if people are willing to pay to watch other people play computer games people actually flying drones around I mean that's got to be a whole lot more exciting it is and I mean you mentioned that you touched on driverless cars I saw uh, just in the last few hours Ford Motor Company saying that profit is going to be lower next year in, in a large part due to the fact that they were investing in the new driverless car technology, Google doing the same thing in Google Maps. It is very much a, a sort of digital economy, isn't it, that has promised much in the past, but is this now going to be a moment when we all sort of sit up and go, wow, as opposed to the, the, the creeping up of the internet? I mean, is there, can you see a really defining moment coming along here where it'll change economic views, in fact? And statistics and the way we, we actually look at... We used to rely on metal bashing, didn't we? Well, I mean, I think it was only in the summer that the, the Civil Aviation Authority gave um, special permission to Amazon to start testing these drones in over British airspace. You know, potentially, we're not that long away until we... Amazon is making deliveries. They're promising to make small package deliveries in, in within 30 minutes. So um, before we know it, they, it could be a reality. The way that these technologies evolve... If you could look back at steam engines, it took it, it took a long time from the first uh, invention of the steam engine, then through to the Stevenson's rocket. I mean, it, the, there was there was you know the beginnings of an industry, but it took about forty or fifty years to to get going. Then what? Then it hit a critical mass. The technology was good enough. It, then there was the the railway booms where you know, rail track was being laid everywhere, which just just it became it transformed it transformed the economy and you can definitely you can you can see the same thing happening where you you start off uh building up to a critical mass point and then once once sort of the sort of driverless car stuff or digital takes over it it, it, it could just become completely normal and we'll just like we are with mobile phones not know how we cope without them before Indeed, where would we be without them? Well, that's just about it for now, but uh, don't forget you can keep up to date with all of those things. Drones I'm not too sure about. You probably need to go and uh, have a look at a bit of drone racing online. Uh, but remember, we've got breaking news and analysis online via your tablets and mobiles. And, of course, don't forget, in the paper, if you're a Times subscriber, then please uh, sign up to our morning, uh, daily lunchtime and uh, morning emails. And if you don't have a subscription, just go to thetimes.co.uk. There's a special £1 offer there. And if you want to to hear us weekly you can subscribe through itunes my thanks to stalwarts philip aldrich and alex ralph they are on twitter so please do follow them we'll be back next week thanks for listening hey it's danny pellegrino from everything iconic ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget check out quince they've got all the good stuff shirts and polos activewear and fine leather goods all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 
Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart, a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com.